0: You are listening to a Geek Network interview. Be sure to hit the follow button to get notified when a new episode is available. You can also visit us at geek-network.com for your guide to the geek entertainment news you love. Created for geeks, by geeks, and remember to always geek responsibly. My name is Daniel.
1: Hello.
2: Hi.
0: Hey, hello. Hey. (laughs) Hey, sister, is
2: your name below?
1: (laughs) Yes, it's still the same.
2: (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Did you you see the poison ivy that Leila drew for you?
1: I did. I was going to write back, yes, can you please, please give her a big kiss from me? I hope you're not actually letting her read it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Daniel, my daughter, who is eight years old, she's obsessed with the poison ivy and the Harley Quinn, of course. So she heard that Willow is writing a poison ivy, so she drew a poison ivy pinup for Willow exclusively. Ex- so yes, she was very excited. Right. I'll, I'll tell her. I'll tell her.
1: Please, soon. yeah, tell her. Uh, hopefully, when we meet yeah. inshallah, she can uh, give me the original and sign it for me. So then I'll have the I'll have the only the exclusive signed copy, <laughs> number Definitely. one of one.
0: That is so sweet and adorable. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> How are you all doing this morning? Uh, Might be afternoon for uh, MK. How are you guys doing?
1: Good. It's raining as it usually does this time of year in Seattle.
2: (laughs) It's raining in Istanbul too. It's also very usual for Istanbul and very quiet. For the recent month, because of the earthquake that oh happened. Oh my God,
1: that's right. I was yeah, gonna, exactly. I was gonna ask if you had family or anybody, or if you were trying, Because it's like in the resort region, right? It's like where right. all the beaches it are. Was,
2: it was in south south of Turkey, but Istanbul being the city that gets all the people from all over the country, so it's very much like New York. So everybody knows somebody from that region. Yeah, uh, we we didn't have any direct connections some mm-hmm. friends uh, and their families, but it was a really big one. The yeah. last one, which, which happened in 1999, that was always considered to be one of the biggest earthquakes in the history of the world, but this one was really, really big. It affected 10 cities, actually. But now, nowadays, that cloud is slowly you know, running Holistic. away. Yeah. Uh, finally, life <laughs> yeah. is uh, becoming normal again. Mm-hmm. But you can still feel really the devastation of the events so the all the places, restaurants, coffee shops, everywhere is really empty so you can you can uh, feel the difference. Uh some people survived after like 8 days. That was really unbelievable. Wow. 8 yeah. days being in the uh I can't imagine though worms. like ha- yes, having to recover
1: like from something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: One kid who's like 16 years old, he said that he drank his own tea. Yeah, that's what yeah. you got to do
0: it's sterile yeah. i mean yeah i'll get you through <laughs> it's
2: really really amazing that he ate all the plants that he could find mm-hmm. and finally he survived that it was a really really good
1: yeah ending. yeah for sure
2: wow. yeah, so how's is, how is everything in Seattle below?
1: it's good you know busy the uh <laughs> yeah. the kids are you know it's it's funny you think uh, when we get past this stage, it'll get easier. When we get past this stage, it'll get easier, but it doesn't really. It just changes. It like gets more complicated. No, definitely,
2: <laughs> definitely right. There, there yeah. was this guy who was doing a, a back page in the New York Times book review back in the days when I was doing the up op- it pieces. Uh, Mark Allen Stamati, I think his name. I'm not sure. He's once I asked him when after Leila was born. Maybe I'm confusing his name, but uh, I asked him. Because he had daughters, I said, "What are the, the most difficult years?" He said, first thirty-five years." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's true.
2: Oh, that's true. <laughs> exactly <laughs> the way you said. <laughs> <laughs> it changes, but it's always it just always changes. It.
1: <laughs> it doesn't get easier. It just changes. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, well, ask your questions. We will sit here chit-chatting.
0: Yeah, no, I... if, you, uh, if you let us. <laughs> No, this this is great. I actually love it. And I know I was just kind of listening and chiming in whenever I could. But, uh, yeah, no, that was awesome. Uh, really quickly, uh, as I was explaining to MK, um, I don't know if you heard that bit, but uh, there's a problem with my Zoom. Uh, my name yeah, is so you're not Daniel. actually
1: who you, are, who you say you are. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: I had to log in as my editor and jump in as Jackie. But yes, my name is Daniel. Um, I'll be conducting the interview. I uh, just okay. want to say thank you so much for your time and um that you know i have two wonderful guests uh normally it's a one-on-one i've never had uh by myself two guests at once uh so mk and then uh, willow willow wilson if you don't mind would you be able to provide us with an introduction uh for those who are not familiar with their work with your work
1: sure oh so this is a podcast i thought yes oh it's a
0: podcast slash interview so
1: okay all right i thought it was gonna like be transcribed or something okay
0: (coughs) we can transcribe it as well we can send you the uh no 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 no. that's fine
1: here mk you want to go first
0: yep go ahead go ahead please you can you can make a better
1: description than I. (laughs) 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 okay so we're just introducing ourselves
0: yes and just tell us about your work uh you know any passions uh your love Mm -hmm. for comics and or art and why you got into this field
1: yeah so My name is G. Willow Wilson. People call me Willow. I tell people the G is silent. <laughs> it stands for <laughs> Gwendolyn.
0: Um,
1: I am a comic book writer and novelist, probably best known for being the co-creator of Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, who, which is now a Disney Plus series. Um, I'm currently writing Poison Ivy for DC Comics, as well as Catwoman, One Bad Day, and a couple of other things. Uh, and of course, I started out. Uh, at Vertigo Comics with the famous editor Karen Berger and uh, one of my very first works that I love very much that I did there was the surrealist comic book series air with artist M.K. Perker who is also here.
2: (laughs) Yeah uh, I think it's my turn. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well you were going great so uh, I thought it was gonna Go a <laughs> Just <further>. keep going. <laughs> <laughs> My name is MK Perker. I'm an artist, illustrator. I work for uh, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New Yorker, Mad Magazine, and Heavy Metal. Magazine, I did uh, short stories for Heavy Metal. Then I did um, graphic novel Cairo with G-, G. below Wilson, followed by Air with Below again. I've written and illustrated the graphic novel Insomnia Cafe for Dark Horse. I drew... Some stories of the escapist or dark horse comics based on Michael Sheban's Cavalier and Clay novel. And, uh, I also own a comic book company in Turkey called Karakarga, which means Black Crow, publishes a lot of European and American great artists and writers such as uh, Mike Mignola, GP, G. G. Wilson, and, uh, uh, Nicolas de Crecy, um, and yeah, I still continue doing comics.
0: Nice. So you're still involved? It's not like you ever left uh the whole comic book industry.
2: No. I started <laughs> with the editorial illustrations in the beginning, actually. My story is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. So I started with the editorial illustrations for the newspapers like New York Times and Wall Street Journal and Washington Post. Then I moved to the uh comic book scene, uh, and then I started doing comics. So uh, but in Turkey I've it's 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 completely vice versa. When I was in Turkey, uh, before I moved to New York, I started with comics, then moved to the editorial illustration in Turkey. Mm -hmm. So the complete opposite happened in New York, uh, but I'm doing uh, all sorts of work because I like the versatility uh, in art, and I'm capable capable of providing that versatility, so I'm working on different areas.
0: Okay, and um, so this kind of leads to... uh question that's just kind of follow up um, because of what you were mentioning when I spent a lot of time in Mexico uh, roughly until I was uh, 12 years old because my family's from there um, my grandparents were also there and so I remember you know going to the I guess new paper stand and they had comics there the comics were uh, translated into Spanish um, there are Marvel and DC comics but they were translated to Spanish so over in Turkey are they um you know translated as well or are they still uh you know uh left in English
2: No they've been been translated for a long time I'm I for a long time I I'm I'm 50 years old now and I remember buying the comics american comics and translated editions when I was 8 9 years old uh it's a combination of european comics and american comics in turkey but, you know, uh, it's very, it, 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 the, the definition of European comics and American comics are very clear, and the distinction between them are very clear. Mm-hmm. Some gravitate towards the European comics, some to American comics. My story was a little different. I was gravitate towards to European comics because of the artwork and art style, but I always liked American comics because of the writing. Because I I hmm. really loved American novelists in the beginning,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, and you know uh, all of them actually f- f- starting from Mark Twain to Norman Mailer,
1: mm-hmm. so
2: it was always very intriguing for me. Then it moved to that uh, that moved to uh, the American you know screenwriters, the movies, and always the American movies. When it comes to the writing, but when it comes to art, I mean when it comes to cinematography. I, I prefer Jean-Pierre Jeunet. When it comes to writing, I prefer Aaron Sorkin. It's a weird thing, <laughs> but I think if there was one big country in the world and, you know, one big Hollywood, that would be really great to combine those towns together. But it's, of course, impossible.
0: Okay, I see. Well, you know, that's a great understanding you have, um, you know, just knowing going, being in a different country and just, you know, what to expect uh, comic book wise. And then um, Willow. Um, having, you know, your bio says you've traveled, uh, traveled to uh, multiple countries. Um, when you were there, did you pick up any other, uh, any American comics and, you know, see any differences or anything like that? Any editing? Can you explain on that?
1: You know, it's interesting. Um, when I was living in Egypt specifically, uh, comics were not quite yet a big thing, but there has Mm -hmm. just been in the last couple of years, a huge renaissance in locally created and published comics of a very high quality, um, which has just been amazing to witness. In fact, I have, uh, I don't have my uh, camera turned on, but I've got one of the best newer ones should bake by Dina Muhammad on my bookshelf behind me, which is this mm-hmm. gorgeous, big um, sort of uh, urban fantasy set in Cairo. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think in the last, you know, maybe 10 years or so, there has been sort of a, a, um, a blossoming of comic books as a, as a medium for expression, not just for sort of, you know, comics for kids, but also for adults tackling mm-hmm. larger, more complex issues. Um, and that's been really, really fascinating to see, for sure.
0: Oh, that's great. And also, I just uh, want to say congrats to the both of you on that Eisner uh, nomination for AIR. What was like hearing uh, you two were nominated and what was running, you know, through your head at that time when you heard the news? Uh-huh. Go ahead,
1: Bilal. <laughs> oh, me? Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> sure.
2: Because um, you,
0: got it, you got it
2: later on. So you have the both experiences of being nominated and being And, and
1: winning. So no, we, and I've yeah. discovered right. that the, the key to winning an Eisner is not showing up to the ceremony. That's
0: the What? <laughs> <laughs> You're like no. Woody Allen.
1: It was so funny. No, you know, like we, uh, you know, of course, I think for MK and I, it was it was our first Eisner nomination ever, right? I mean, it was the first time yeah, I so was nominated. Yeah, yeah. So we were really I excited. Mean. We both went to the ceremony, which at that point, this is like my God, ten, twelve years ago. Yeah. Uh, no, more than twelve years ago. More it's than like, twelve years ago. It's like thirteen or fourteen years ago. My God, we're old. Yeah
2: um no. so 2009 at that time, it,
1: was, it was 2009 2009, 14, 2009. holy mackerel <laughs> um so yeah we were you know we were both super excited we went to the ceremony and this was the pre-covid pre-everything like full monty four and a half hour long oh, wow. uh ceremony you know it was like longer than the oscars um and, uh, you know, we, we sort of dutifully sat through the whole thing, didn't win.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. uh, and, you know, it was fun. It was fun to be there with yeah. our, you know, friends and hang out and stuff. Um, and, you know, sort of after that, I kind of got a sense of you, when you've been in the industry long enough, you can kind of tell what's going to win in all of these different Eisner categories. So once I got that sense, uh, I stopped going <laughs> to <laughs> <the> <laughs> when I knew I wasn't going to win. Uh, which was most of the time. So, funnily enough, I, I was not there when I actually did win. <laughs> Many years later.
0: So, who but stepped it was a in? Great feeling. Sorry, uh, I bet it wasn't a great, amazing feeling. Uh, who stepped in to give your acceptance and, uh, you know, actually?
1: My God, who was there? I don't think so. I finally won myself. Uh, myself and Chris Ward, uh, mm-hmm. who is the artist, won for Invisible Kingdom. Um, Which came up from Dark Horse a couple of years ago. And I don't think either one of us were there. It must have been a Dark Horse employee who accepted because he lives in the UK. Um, And I at that point had small children. Well, yeah, I have I still have children. They're just slightly larger now. Um, So (laughs) I wasn't able to go. He wasn't able to go. So it must have been somebody else. I got it in the mail. But it was oh, very wow. exciting. <laughs> yeah,
2: you're, you're, you're Woody Allen of the comics. <laughs> I, I get
1: nominated all the time and I never win. It's so true. <laughs> Except for that, yeah. I mean, that is the only way in which we overlap. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's in all other ways, he's kind of a scumbag. I, I aspire not to be
2: a scumbag.
0: <laughs> yeah, Woody but Allen is that, pretty bad. <laughs> we lost it uh, in
2: 2009, we lost it to Iron Man which was really nerve-breaking because, you know, Iron Man is not a new comic book, but it was a new comic book series, of course. Mm -hmm. So we lost it to Iron Man. It was really, really, you know, I I got, I was really pissed because it was not a new comic because we were nominated for the new series. Right, below. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah,
1: And Iron Man's been around forever.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you know, it was,
1: wasn't that the year that the movie came out? Or no, it, it was for the Matt Fraction run, which kind of, really right. changed how people thought about superhero comics and what you could do with superhero comics. Yeah. So, yeah, but it did. Yeah. That was sort of my first hint about, mm-hmm. okay, now I, yeah. I can tell what kinds of things win Eisner's. And so yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not gonna i not going to win. I'm not going to sit through all that.
2: <laughs> but from, from, from that Eisner's, I have a very strange story. And, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're watching the awards being given and, uh, Before the story, I have to tell you this little thing about the behind the story thing. Uh, In 1995, the first time I went to New York City, I went to the DC Comics building because I wanted to show my portfolio to Mad Magazine editors. Mm -hmm. And it was because it was before 9-11, it was easy to go in. So you just walked into the uh, lobby and downstairs and you tell them that you're going to see someone and they say, who are you going to see? And in the D.C. building, the old building below uh, mm-hmm. 1600, and the guy at the lobby, he asked me who I was going to see. And I thought, you know, I'm a foreigner and I have an accent. Who can I see? I'm thinking to myself and I said, Sergio Aragonese. And I I don't know him, but I just lied. I said, I'm going to see Sergio Aragones. <laughs> and because he's Mexican and I have, <laughs> I have the accent, they said, OK, go ahead. So I walked. Uh, I climbed to the uh, Mad Magazine floor. I took the elevator. I went there and I saw that there's another lobby in Mad Magazine. And when I got to the Mad Magazine <laughs> floor, I was very excited because I saw all those great covers on the you know walls, and it's it's really Mad Magazine. So I was very excited. I know I love the story of Mad Magazine. And I walked to the lobby, and because of the confidence I gained downstairs, I turned to the lobby woman. At Mad Magazine, I said, I'm going to see Sergio Aragones. And she said, well, he moved to San Diego many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the jig is up. And she says, well, who are you going to see? I said, I don't know anybody. I just wanted to show my portfolio. And I thought Sergio Aragones would be a, you know, a good name to throw around. Anyway, I couldn't see anybody. <laughs> at, the, at the Eisners, now we're watching... Uh, Sergio Aragon comes to the stage and he has his guitar. Do you remember beloved? it? He had yes. his guitar with him and he started singing. And I'm very good friends with Diana Schutz from Dark Horse. And Diana Schutz turned to me and he says, oh, do you know Sergio? And I said, I, oh, uh, I, yeah, I love him. And then Sergio Aragon stopped singing and he turns to the audience and he says, many years ago when I went to Mad Magazine the first time, I didn't know anybody. He's talking about the 50s. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Mad Magazine and they asked him that, who, who who are you going to see? And he says, uh, Antonio Proas, the creator of uh, Spy versus Spy, because Antonio Proas was Cuban and Sergio Oregon being Mexican, he thought the same thing like me. And he says <laughs> oh, to himself, well, who, who am I going to see? I The only name that I can say is Antonio Proas. And they say, okay, then go, go ahead. He goes to the upstairs and luckily, Antonio Perez didn't move to San Diego and he was there. <laughs> and he was a very friendly guy. And he told this story. Then Diana Schutz turns to me and Diana Schutz knows this story because I told her this before. And he, she said, we have to tell this to Sergio. So I couldn't, uh, we couldn't get the award. But after the, after he exited the stage, we went after him and we stopped him and he, she told him this story and he, he loved the story. And that was the only thing that I gained that day. But, you know, it's, it, this is a story that is worth to an award. The
0: lesson, the
1: lesson learned is fake it till you make it actually does work.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was going to be one of my follow-up questions. Like, what did you learn, you know, from attending, you know, the Eisner Awards um, multiple times or being nominated and how that works? How has that influenced your work?
1: Oh, gosh, um, y- you know, you can't if you I think if you want to do well in any field, you have to concentrate on creating the best work that you possibly can. You can't, right. I think, get hung up on am I going to win an award and am I, I going to get nominated? All of this stuff, um, because ultimately you have to be able to produce the work. And if you get too caught up in, uh, you know wheeling and dealing and, and, you know, trying to be one of the cool kids and this, that, and the other Mm -hmm. the work will suffer because your attention is divided. So, um, I, I do not go into any project being like, I need to win an Eisner. I need to get nominated. I need to do this or that. Um, you know, I just try kind of try to do the best possible work Mm -hmm. for that specific project. And, uh, you know, after that, whatever happens, happens.
0: No. And that's great because, uh, you know, a lot of, Now with uh I will say that comic books are becoming a little bit more competitive. Everybody's like, hey, read my indie comic, you know, that sort of thing, which is great. You know, I would love you know, I love supporting indie comics. Some of them do have great story. Uh spoke to Mark London, uh Mark London, but it's the same thing. It's just uh everybody's trying to get the work out. Uh some of them are just in there for the money, and you know, it makes it kind of tough. So I agree with what you're saying. Um
1: Wow, anybody who's in comics for the money is going to cry tears. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I've heard multiple times. uh, Jackie and I do this uh, sometimes together, sometimes separately. Uh, We ask, and we don't ask uh, this, but it just uh, who we talk to opens up. And, like, yeah, if you're doing it for podcasting, if you're doing it for comic books, you're doing this for artwork in a comic book, you're not going to make a lot of money. And, like, so you kind of have to hang on to a second hobby and, you know, all kind of build up from there. Absolutely. <laughs> and then uh, the other question I do have uh, for uh, for you is the plot of Air seems to pull from sci-fi and fantasy elements, but doesn't allow the standard formulas of genre. What influenced such a unique idea for Air? And how did, uh, you know, MK, how did you uh, make this, you know, come to life? and comic book panels with the artwork uh,
2: with this one i'll start and then we'll yeah, go ahead a, uh wider uh, the plot and the establishment of the story uh, for me it was a, a lot of a lot of fun because it started right after we finished cairo and in cairo because you know the because of the title it took place in cairo uh, a lot of interesting cast of characters appeared in cairo some fantastic creatures, uh, that we were able to create, but still it was happening in Cairo, but in air, it was, you know, lots of different places that I get a chance to, I get a chance to draw different cities, different kind of characters and lots of, uh, action. Mm-hmm. one thing that I never forget is that in one page, Bidov said that on the script, she said that, uh, there was like two line, uh, Description of the whole page. And she says, there is a flying Tiana in the air and there are lots of bars and clubs and, you know, gas stations, uh, on this flying Tiana. And that was it. So I have to come up with something like flying (laughs) Tiana and I have to draw all those bars, restaurants and, you know, the gas stations. The planes and all of them. So I, I, I immediately called her and I said, <laughs> what the hell are you like thinking? A torture. <laughs> just wrote a, wrote a page then uh, I have to come up with all those, you know, mechanical things. And flying to Yuan is, I think, uh, only flying to Yuan is uh, is like a log line, uh, a movie but for a whole, for a whole series, that, yeah. No, it's, it was a really good idea,
1: yeah. Poor MK so, yeah. suffered because this was one of my, you know, sort of earliest. I mean, this is the first ongoing series I ever wrote. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, y- you know, I i sort of learned and, and poor MK's wrists suffered uh, tremendously <laughs> yeah. as a result. That uh, you have to, especially with a monthly comic where the deadlines are very tight, kind of balance your methods of storytelling and, and have a realistic idea of what you can really fit into a page, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially these days. Uh, You know, I think kind of in the long past when we were growing up, um, Mm -hmm. things could be a little bit looser, you know, like there's infamously, if you go back and look at some of the early X-Men comics, there's people standing awkwardly, you know, there's people with way too many teeth. There's artists who don't like to draw feet. And so the feet are always hidden. Like it was just, it was more laid back. Whereas the standard for art and writing has gotten so much higher now. Mm-hmm. Um that, you know, nobody can really phone it in. <laughs> <laughs> nobody can really phone it in. And so like if you have these big elaborate set pieces, uh, you you have to take that into consideration that, you know, your under time constraints, the standards are very high uh you have to be able to edit and trim um and uh yeah poor mk my gosh I, I don't do that so much anymore i've learned never put horses in anything no horses never put horses in anything. i have never met an artist that likes to draw horses they're like it's it's impossible why did god create something that looks like this oh my god i can't draw so uh yeah over the le- over the years you learn um you know how to how to sort of support your creative partner uh make life as easy on them as possible uh and s- do your storytelling in the most efficient way that you can but uh really? but yeah oh my gosh poor mk <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, there was also one other thing that i really love and really miss from those days uh yeah we were young and beginning of our careers I, i'm older than much older than willow of course not that much older and You're I'm, 10 old. I, I, <laughs> how many years
1: 10, right? Because you're, if you're, fi- you're 50, I'm 40. So it's so this is 10 years.
0: Yeah. 10 years. It's
2: <laughs> no. not that much. Uh, many years ago, it, it meant, you know, uh, like a, it felt like a bigger uh, different time. Uh, age, age difference. difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but the times were different too. So we we were really like, a, you know, it was a very emotional uh, experience for me and for Bill too, I think. Uh, I've started earlier, but it was, you know, uh, breaking in, uh, job for me. So, I mean, Cairo was the first one, of course, but air uh, Air, uh, still felt the same way. And we were all hanging out together. It was really fun. Uh, we were getting together, you know, after, after comic cons, we were having dinner parties with lots of writers, artists like Josh Dysart. Becky Glunn and everybody was coming together. Cecil
1: Castellucci, yeah, uh, yeah, right. Porn we sex, still at, uh, yeah, yeah, really yeah. Real.
2: And that so those, those, those those were really really fun uh, days. Every time we came to New York, we you know got you know uh, went to see a uh, Broadway show all together. Went to the restaurants mm-hmm. and everybody was everybody was hanging out together. And it it was. A, great experience and feeling that I was really feeling like we were doing something because all those artists and writers and editors like pornsack for example, is very important in our lives, Pornsac Pshatchad. And you know the, all those people all together, uh it was a really uh it still feels like a different time and uh yeah. different experience and it's probably I don't know, Willow. I I haven't been to Comic Cons for the last six, seven years, but it it's, I, I it's feel changed. Like it's not yeah, it's changed. Yeah. It
1: it has. It I think, yeah. you know, back then editors kind of had, I think, a semi-unlimited budget to do stuff like that, to have these right. big dinners. Uh, you know, yeah. like there was there was there was a sort of like a floating party and you just sort of figured yeah. out where the party That's was it. and you went there. Um yeah. and now, you know, like everywhere, budgets are being cut, uh, right. things are being quote unquote streamlined um comics conventions i think themselves have changed the focus is for a lot of the big conventions uh more on the tie-ins it's on the movies the tv shows the funko pops Mm -hmm. uh you know the video games and much less focus is put on the books of course there are wonderful independent comics conventions that are very specifically focused on the books themselves but the big ones now uh yeah the the focus has shifted Um, you know budgets are different it's it's not quite the same (laughs) it's not quite the same as the golden age
0: no i agree Uh,
2: joshua Joshua, (laughs) Joshua Dyson had this great uh motto hey josh always said that let's orbit around the corporate credit card
1: yes i (laughs) orbit the corporate credit card (laughs) it's so true yeah fewer of those now fewer of those now than there used to be (laughs)
0: So nobody's uh, dropping a Black American Express card anymore. That's what it I sounds like. I think there like. <laughs> are a few of those. But
1: certainly it used to be that like, even associate editors had one of those to, to sort of flash around at comics conventions. And that is definitely not
0: true anymore. <laughs> Man, times have changed. Times have changed. And then also, and I, I swear I have uh, other questions in regards to the other projects, but uh, it's been 13 years since you originally published um oh god i just lost it oh no air (laughs) yes air sorry thank you it's been 13 years since you originally published air by vertigo uh what are you most eager to see your readers experience with a new collection you know collector's edition of air
1: it's nice to have it all in one spot you know you, you can just sort of pick up uh these really beautifully produced volumes and not worry about oh do i have them in the correct order do i have This trade paperback or that trade paperback, and you know, one and three are still being published, but two is out of publication. Uh, Now you can get the whole series in one pop. Uh, You know, there's some back matter that's been added, some process stuff uh, that I don't think readers have seen before. So I think even if you've read the series in the past, this is a good pickup because uh, you get uh, some interview stuff, I think, and some script pages and some sketches and things. So it's just really a gorgeously produced edition of this series
0: okay okay
2: anything uh yeah i can hear you <laughs> and uh since then lots of things started happening both in comics and also in on tv and tv has changed i'm not only talking about hbo <laughs> now it's <laughs> completely changed of course And a lot of lots of writers uh, started writing for tv and for uh you know netflix amazon and back in the day uh you know, the creators were adapting comic books into movies or TV shows, and then they started creating TV shows that looks like comic books. Mm -hmm. That They're not comics, they're not adapted from any comic book, but they look like comics. Mm -hmm. So with that, everything has changed. And I think uh, Ayr will always have a unique spot in the history of comics, that when all those things were happening, Willow uh, started doing this thing at the same time when everything was started happening, when the, you know, TV shows were, were, were changing and comics were changing and Willow was, uh, and the, Willow's ideas were the ideas that on the, uh, center of that change, I think. Because when you look, when you look at it in retrospect, you can see mm-hmm. it clearly. At the time, we thought, you know, this is something new and I hope will, people will get it. Uh, but now I can say that that was, Uh, far beyond its time and uh you know at the time when we were doing air sopranos was the hit tv show and it was considered (laughs) as the tv show that changed tv right right same thing you couldn't tell at at that time that oh this is something is happening nobody said that now people are saying that so Mm -hmm. i think air falls into that uh, category too all right.
1: Wow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> MK. And you're uh, you know, I, I, I think it's yeah, I think it you're right. And it kind of suffered a little bit for being ahead of its time. Um right. I, I think when we were creating it, it was unfilmable. <laughs> CGI yeah, had not grown up. Today it is quite filmable. Today you could absolutely do it. But That's at true. the time, uh yeah, it was unfilmable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> With air being, you know, uh long um as long as it has as it you know has been running, would you you know uh pitch it at this point either as a as a movie uh screenplay or would you pitch it as um well screenplay same thing as a movie sorry uh or you know pitch it to maybe amazon netflix uh any of those streaming services
1: i think it's 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 scaled for television you know like it's very yeah. uh episodic mm-hmm. um i suppose it would be difficult to con- to condense it into a movie. Um, but yeah, I think I it would agree. make, it would make a cool television show. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, yeah. The rights are available if anybody wants them. You heard it here. And
0: then also, I do want to go ahead and touch on invisible kingdom a little bit. Uh, so the special library collection that you are releasing, uh, features volumes one, two, and three, uh, with every cover and the original, uh, pitch. Uh, for this uh you know for this book uh so you know uh was this uh pre-planned before i guess uh you could say like patreon or uh you know gofundme or any of those uh websites websites existed because you know patreon does offer you know exclusives if you pre-order the book or hit your limit by a certain amount of time
1: no no it, um i think the the reason that we were able to do um a couple of different editions of Invisible Kingdom uh, mm. is because it it did so well internationally. Uh, it was a an, it was a sélection officielle at, uh, oh. at Angoulême. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there was interest. There was a lot of interest in it in Europe. So uh, you know I think whenever that happens, it's a signal signal to the publisher that you can probably safely do more editions, and they'll still uh, you know get some interest from people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was it was really after the the book did so well, sort of on the festival circuit and and uh, you know in in the literary world and, and sort of internationally that Dark Horse said, yeah, let's do a let's do a big collected edition. Uh, and it's gorgeous, and it weighs about a million pounds. Uh, I have one here. <laughs> it's it's really beautiful, and uh, and yeah, you could uh, you could murder somebody with that. It weighs it must weigh about fifteen pounds.
0: <laughs> we don't endorse <laughs> so, murder here. But, no, we you know. do not endorse <laughs>
1: murder here. But don't put it on a glass, you know, coffee table.
0: <laughs> put
1: it put it somewhere secure.
0: <laughs> and uh, having essentially relaunched uh, Kamala Khan. Uh, with Miss Marvel, uh, writing so many uh, women characters. Um, How do you, you know, how do you really uh, make sure that uh, both parties, because there's always been that pushback that, you know, women can't be superheroes, which I think is fucking bullshit. Sorry, that's just me speaking, but I I believe that is bullshit. How do you leave uh, both sides, uh, both genders? uh, We don't have to leave it to just both genders, but how do you leave everybody... Uh, with your storytelling, how do you leave them empowered?
1: Um, just tell the truth. You know, speak to everybody's strengths. I uh, The things I write are so different. Like, you know, Poison Ivy and, and Kamala Khan are about as different as you can possibly get. Uh, you know, and Wonder Woman, uh, uh, the Sandman universe. Like, all of these things are so different that with them, as with everything, I try to do right by those characters in the world in which they exist all of those are very different genres uh they exist in different timelines different universes um and so i think what you what you really have to do is is put yourself in that specific world and say okay how can i make these characters shine in the environment in which they exist and uh and just go from there so yeah i i just uh I try to write whatever character I am given to the best of my ability, no matter what their power set, background, gender, genre, doesn't matter.
0: And do you tend to do uh, extensive research on those characters before you actually write uh, stories for them?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like half of what I do is background
0: research.
1: Um, and, you know, like I've, I've written in so many different corners of, of the various uh, superhero universes, plural Mm -hmm. now, that when I get a new character, I kind of have to dump research for the other books out of my head because you run out of room. So there's a certain amount of active forgetting, (laughs) like I have to free (laughs) up RAM in my brain uh, to to do sort of these deep dives into the backgrounds of some of these characters, especially like for Wonder Woman or for Poison Ivy. These are characters Mm -hmm. who've been around for 60, 70 years. Right. So there's 60 or 70 years of research and continuity and retconning and all of this stuff. Um, and uh, it's it's yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of reading.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt it. Uh, doing interviews uh, three to four times a week. So I have to do research to make sure that I have, you know, everything signed up. I don't want to sound like a dummy. So that's awesome that you actually put in the time and work to make sure that you, you know, you um, know. You write the best character uh, for your story the best way you possibly can. So that's amazing.
1: Okay, I try. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then uh, lastly, uh, just uh, love ending these things on a positive note. So I I have two questions. Uh, the first question goes for uh, both of you. If uh, you could give your younger self any piece of information, knowing what you know now, what would that piece of information be?
1: Ooh. You want to Feel that one first, MK? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I was hoping that you would start first. Oh, but... <laughs> oh my gosh. Um
2: hey Dan, can you can you elaborate the question for me a little bit? You mean at the time? Uh... So
0: let's just say, you know, you were uh you got involved, you know, in comics early on, maybe you know, uh at the age of 12 or 13, you started illustrating uh uh-huh. for your for yourself or started drawing or writing um and you had the knowledge of what your current you know your current age so you're able to give yourself some solid piece of advice what would that advice be
2: yeah don't draw that much (laughs) (laughs) that would be my advice to myself
1: oh my gosh (laughs) wasted
2: wasted years
1: don't draw so much but you know what they say you know that you have to put in what is it like Is it a thousand hours, 10,000 hours, some crazy number of, of like (laughs) practice before you actually get good, which I think is true because I wrote a lot of, I didn't even have a word for it back then, but it was functionally fanfic. I wrote a ton of fanfic at age 12, 13, 14, you know, in sort Mm -hmm. of that era. And, um, you know, it was, it was good practice. It was good practice. So I don't, I don't think those were wasted years. Okay. It's, uh, it's all just practice. Like, of course you look back now and you're like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm so glad that there was no internet back then. Uh, (laughs) but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's what you had to write or draw to get to where you are. I don't know for advice to myself. Oh gosh. Um, I, I guess it would be follow your gut rather than trying to write to whatever fad is going on mm-hmm. at, at a particular time. Um, it, it does ha- ha help to have a sense of market timing. I think if it, in any industry like publishing, it helps to be kind of a five minute futurist uh, because you can't just draw a straight line from what people are reading or watching today to mm-hmm. know what they'll be reading or watching in two years, which is about your time horizon for a new project. Um, So it does help to be like, okay, I know what people like today, but what are they going to like two years from now? And to be able to kind of figure that out. Um, But by that same token, uh, if you follow fads, you will get yourself into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So it's much better to just kind of write what you write or draw, what you know you can write or draw well, rather than trying to chase fads.
0: Gotcha. That's actually pretty wise. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And then uh, the last question I do have for you, uh any uh upcoming conventions, uh your social medias, any projects uh they have coming on that you know aren't breaking any uh NDAs and that you can uh briefly talk about.
1: Uh I'll I'll jump in. <laughs> I have uh <a, clears throat> I have a great high fantasy book coming out this summer from IDW with artist Chris Wildgoose, um, called The Hunger in the Dusk. I'm super excited about it. It's an idea that I've been kind of toying with since the beginning of COVID. It's, it's kind of a, a lockdown era idea. Um, and if there's one thing that the last few years have taught me, it's uh, truly YOLO. <laughs> <We'll leave them laughs> once. So don't leave those projects on the shelf. If you have an opportunity, just do it. Um, uh, so yeah, Hunger in the Dusk. It's amazing. Epic high fantasy comes out in July from IDW. Uh, I, Poison Ivy was just announced as an ongoing. It was originally a limited series, uh, but mm-hmm. it's done so well that it got extended. So that oh, comes yeah. out every, <laughs> the first Tuesday of every month from DC Comics uh, at whatever comic shop or digital device you prefer to read comics on.
0: Support and local. <laughs> yes, <Sorry. laughs> support your local
1: books. Uh, support your local bookstores and comic book shops whenever possible, please, uh, for many reasons. And you can find me on Twitter at G. Willow Wilson. Uh, or on Instagram at this is G Willow. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Anyway, yes, I'm I'm on all the usual places. Now it's my turn. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. <clears throat> yeah, I'm working on a graphic novel called Super Science at the moment. It's going to be out from Sacred Bull Press. Uh, I think next year. And yeah, that's about it.
0: Okay and shit i actually wrote this question down i forgot so sorry that's my bad uh so this is gonna be the last question um i've seen that both of you are active on social media um twitter being one uh one of them Uh, you know is uh with a new takeover by uh I don't care if my account gets banned by Elon Musk. Um, you know, is this affecting any of, uh, you know, you trying to get your word out or publishing any art or any stories or anything that you're retweeting at the moment as content comic book creators? Um,
1: you know, I haven't changed what I've been posting. What I have done is sort of spread out. Uh, you know, it's it's made it clear that social media is kind of a house built on sand in general and mm-hmm. no one platform uh, is gonna last forever, and so I try to have kind of a light presence in a lot of different places rather than a heavy presence in any one place
0: gotcha yeah
2: yeah it's uh you know it's a new kind of media it's it never feels real uh but it's it's also a great opportunity that you can showcase your work and it's kind of uh is a replacement with like websites back in the day we had websites, and now everybody has Instagram. Uh, but when people had websites, I'm talking about, uh, artists mostly, of course. When you had websites, all those artists who had websites and showing their works through it, uh, they were all established people. And nowadays you look at an Instagram account, uh, with like 200,000 following and the person never had one thing published. So which is, which is really weird for me. I'm, I'm looking at uh, a 16 year old guy. Who has two hundred thousand people following him and then I'm looking at uh Instagram account and it's not the same thing, so it doesn't feel real, not mm. because it's like writing uh something on water it's because it's not real I mean one of them has the whole history behind them. the other one uh, doesn't have anything proven yet, but uh followers are there's a big white you know uh, difference between those numbers so that's mm-hmm. why it doesn't feel real for me but still a great opportunity to showcase our work of course
0: all right and with uh, that being said i just want to say uh, thank you so much for uh, your time today um truly appreciate it and i love getting into the insight of comic book writers and comic book artists and artists in general so thank you, again thank you so much for your time um any last words you'd like to give out
1: no well, thank you for having us
0: thank you and thank you Dan. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. This, this was fun. <laughs> thank you. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at GeeksAZ. You can also find us on our website, geek-network.com. And then uh, we are also uh, geeknetwork on facebook.com. So uh, again, thank you so much for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you.
1: Thanks. Great to talk to you. Great to see you, MK.
0: You too, sister. Bye. Give
1: Lele a kiss for me.
0: I will. Bye. <laughs> right. Bye.
1: Take care, everybody. <laughs>